Hola, amiga. I believe the only way to create a life of your dreams is by taking massive action that makes shit happen. Basically, amiga, handle your shit. Yes, I said that. Handle your shit. Stop playing small and start breaking down cultural limitations, gain back your feminine power, and become the unapologetic and unstoppable Latina you were destined to be. This show is meant to inspire, motivate, and awaken your soul's potential. You will learn from business professionals, successful entrepreneurs, and creatives that will teach you mental corrections, insider tips, success strategies, and of course, a dose of personal development. I am your host, Jackie Tapia, lawyer, transformational life coach, and entrepreneur. I am also a wife and mom to a little badass Latina. I'm obsessed with changing the Latina's mindset and breaking down cultural barriers so that you can live your best life and step into your true power and start living a life of abundance in all ways and always. Join me for inspiring conversations with thought leaders and learn how to handle your shit. ¿Estás lista? Vámonos. Hello, 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 amigas, and welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit Podcast. I am excited. Ah, you know me, amigas. I'm always excited when someone new is on the pod. And what can I say? We're going to get a male perspective on the podcast here today. I'm excited for this person. We share a common story, and I'm not going to tell you much about it, but until you listen to this episode. But before we get to it, I really wanted to come out and just be in gratitude for all your listens, for all of your reviews, for staying here with me and joining me on the mic. I mean, really, you are incredible in my life. And without listeners such as as you, amiga, and amigos, I wouldn't get far. And I'm so excited to say that my podcast has grown by more than 700%. And I'm excited to say that. And it would never have happened without you being a part of this journey that I started back in 2020. And I can't even believe that it's almost, well, it'll be three years starting in June because that was when my first podcast dropped. So there's a lot of things happening and I'm excited for them. And one in particular that is brewing and it's on the horizon is my book. And I know that I've shared many times here that I wrote a book and it's supposed to be out by June of this year. And I'm excited for that. And I'm also excited for the opportunity to share it with you. Be the first to get it for 99 cents. Yes. If you go into my link here in the show notes, you'll be able to grab it for 99 cents. And now this would be a digital version. It's not out yet, but the criteria for that is that if you grab the link for 99 cents, you promise me to provide a fair review because I think it's important. 
And I know that you will provide a fair review because that's the only way Amazon will be able to increase my visibility on Amazon by these honest reviews. And you've been following me for a long time. And in this book, I will tell you that I have a bunch of wonderful exercises, guides, steps, how to reach your highest potential. And so, amigas, I'm just so grateful to you. And like I said, we'll have the link in the show notes so that you can go grab the digital version when it comes out. You'll be on the list when it comes out. And I really, really encourage you to read it, do the exercises, And, you know, send me a note and tell me how it went for you and and what you enjoyed about it. And if there are parts that um, trigger something, well, then let's get in. Let's get deep. Because if you are triggered by a certain aspect of the book, you got to dig in and find out why you're being triggered. You know me, amigas, I'm all about excavating and really finding what is inside of us that is holding us back. So amigas, like I said, I have a beautiful interview with an amazing soul and uh, his name is Louis Fisher and we share something in common, but I'm not going to say anything. You just listen to the podcast and then you'll soon find out what I'm talking about. Since 1956, Cell Creek Corporation has been the leading installer of lightweight cellular concrete. They take pride in providing their customers with the most innovative products and designs and commit themselves to reliability while maintaining the highest levels of safety, sustainability, and dedication to craftsmanship. Simply put, they pour it on. So without further ado, this is Louis Fisher. Thank you for being on Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. Well, Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. And I, I appreciate you taking, giving me this opportunity to participate. Uh, well, you know what? For me, it's such a tremendous blessing to that we get to be one degree of separation. Isn't that crazy? Like, I find myself in certain circumstances as I'm moving up um, with my podcasts and with the things that I'm doing. And I'm like, wow, you know how they used to say six degrees of separation? I feel like in our lives, it is one degree of separation. Mm-hmm. So Amigas, okay. So like I was telling you, he's the VP of operations for Cellcrete. So tell us here on Amiga Handle Your Shit, what is Cellcrete? What is their mission? What is your company about? So our company is a specialty concrete contractor. We're a subcontractor. We work in the vertical market, meaning we work on buildings, whether those are apartment buildings, high rises, churches, prisons, casinos, custom homes to some, to some extent, as well as in the horizontal marketplace, which would be infrastructure work, whether that be freeways, roadways, bridges, sewer lines, things of that nature. And we're a uh, third generation family owned business, which that brings on its own set of challenges, not to mention just orchestrating all the day to day factors that the business creates on its own. 
Yeah, I bet. I mean, it's uh, from what I was reading is that your company started in 1956. So the problems, the concerns and the issues back in 1956 are completely different from today, I bet. True. The size of the company has changed drastically. Obviously, the state of affairs in the world today have changed drastically since 1956. And with more growth equals more change. So let's get started with the changes. What changes have you been a part of in this company as VP of operations? Well, we've seen a, a very large shift in the construction industry over the past probably 20 years since I started. I started actually more than 20 years ago, but I've noticed a huge shift in, in safety. And that's been a, a pillar or a foundation for which we want to do everything else from. That's ground zero. In the old days, things were a lot different on job sites than they are now. Um, I've also noticed that in terms of the restrictions or the procedures or the protocols, there's just a lot more paperwork to do than before. So those are just a few of the things I could think of right off the bat. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, as a lawyer... I find myself like baffled by the stuff that we have to write and print and disseminate information and get all these contracts together and whatnot. And I start to think like, how did they used to do it back in the day? I mean, literally, like if you didn't have internet, a computer, like how would the former lawyers able to produce jobs? (laughs) So I could just imagine like all of the paperwork that you have to go through nowadays with safety. I will say, though, to tie into your point about how people are doing it, I think we're doing it a lot more efficiently these Mm -hmm. days. You mentioned when your comment made me think about pagers. That kind of takes back a little bit. I remember having a pager when I first started. And then the car phone. Of course, the car phone was one of those things that was a technological advance for us. Right. But nowadays, with as easy as it is to get in contact with people, I think things are a lot more efficient and you get answers to questions a lot more quickly than you used to in the past. So in theory, that would make you think that things are able to get built faster than they used to. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I mean, I've had many discussions with different people who have these big companies and labor has been a huge thing. I know my family, we, our business is transporting foods, food products to different restaurants. And my father keeps bothering and telling me, we need more drivers. Is that something also that you guys have to always like, oh, we need more, more people to work because you got all these projects, you got all these demands, but not enough workers. What your father states resonates within our industry. Drivers in particular, Class A drivers, in case anyone's listening, we're always looking for some, but (laughs) that's our little plug. However, finding people that want to work and or have a Class A license, those are all things that they are issues that the construction industry is facing. A lot of people would prefer 
probably to get famous and rich doing a TikTok or have a video <laughs> go viral versus rolling their sleeves up yeah, and putting in work. And yeah. as a result of that, one of the things that I've invested some of my personal time into, there's two different trusts that I sit on for the joint apprenticeship committee. One would be for the laborers and one would be for the masons. And I think it's really important, especially as a, a family owned business and business owner, that we need to start cultivating the next generation. And I'm, I might not have the problems right now that I will have in five, 10, 15 years, but we need more folks out there who want to be in the trades, want to participate in the crafts. And in order to do that, making sure that people are participating in these, in the apprenticeship programs, a good way to nurture and foster that growth for the next generation. Oh God. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I've heard a lot from different groups and trades that the same thing, the same circumstance, like we are living in this digital era where these kids, they want to make it quick, fast, cash, whatever, but they're not interested in the, these other roles. Right. And, and it's a serious issue. Like I was telling my dad the other day, I said, I'm like, dad, well, I think now we're just going to have to employ Rob robots to do the work. It almost like, Oh my God, that is crazy in my head. Cause I remember as, you know, kids watching these like movies that robots were going to take over the world. And now with AI and chat GPT, I'm like, you know what? We're, we're probably not far from it, but I hope, hope, hope that we get to have humans still work and whatnot. But I'm telling you, this is, I think not only in your company, but in everyone's companies, that these are really big areas to talk about and to change the trajectory of how we do business. So for you guys, knowing that you're part of these two different groups, what do the conversations look like? Like, are, do you guys are providing solutions to that? Like, what so, is it? So one of the things that um, we do or the trust does in the, the apprenticeship committee, I should say, they go to high schools. They start recruiting at a younger or focusing on a younger demographic than waiting for people to come sign up with them. And it's been a long discussion that I've had with my father, lots and lots of dinner conversation about it. But in his day, they had shop class and they had, you know, whether it was home ec, which, by the way, I really enjoy cooking. That's one of my hobbies, if you <laughs> wanted to know. Um, side note there, home ec, shop, wood shop, mechanics, all these different things that there's a lot of people out there whose skill set is a lot different than something that it would be, I guess, measured intellectually or from books and schooling. And higher ed isn't necessarily for everyone. Yeah. And I know a lot of people that I've worked with and some have mentored me and others I've seen advance in the construction industry that they have worked their way all the way to the positions they're in. And it's a that concept of 
slow and steady wins the race versus, hey, I'm going to be an overnight phenomenon and <laughs> you're going to see me on, in Times Square on the marquee. Right, 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 right. Totally, totally. And I guess nope. it ties into sacrifice too, you know, early hours, a lot of time out there working. But I, I think for a, a lot of people and a lot of our youth, that's a direction that maybe we should focus on again is getting those classes that they might not be for everyone, but at least for the people that school's not necessarily something they're too into, it gives them an outlet. And what I think and appreciate about the unions focusing on those high school kids is it gives some some people an outlet to make good money, buy a home, provide for their families, and in a way, recreate that American dream. Absolutely. I like that that they're doing talks at high schools. I think it's super important because, I mean, we got your standard, like the doctor, the lawyer, the engineer, all these standard, you know, conversations. But the home ec, the wood shop, I mean, is that still happening? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I haven't been in high school forever. The, so <laughs> The school I went to, unfortunately, didn't offer anything like that. Yeah. And I think that did my generation a little bit of a disservice because there's some guys that I went to an all boy Catholic school. There were some boys and gentlemen in that class that probably they, they were 2.0 uh, grade point <laughs> average type guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I don't think that maybe focusing on the education would have been the best thing for them, but to have an outlet where, hey, all of a sudden something clicks for them and they go, hey, I enjoy this. I enjoy working with my hands or I enjoy solving problems versus just regurgitating information into a test format. Right, right. So, you know, I know that we had, a. I mean, I wanted to tie in here the women, women in construction. You and I were talking about it before we got on the podcast and yes, less women are in construction, but tell us, Louie, what do you think is happening? Why is that happening, actually? So you asked me a question when we first started this interview or this uh, conversation about things that I've seen change. Mm-hmm. And there are more women in the construction workforce than I saw 20 years ago. Than I saw 15 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, up until now. I think there can be a lot more. And I think there's a lot of opportunities for more women in the construction industry. I have a seven-year-old daughter. And earlier, about maybe two years ago, we were joking around with her saying, hey, you could come work. They call me Datto. You could come work with Datto someday. And you could see her just thinking and you could see the wheels turning and she told my partner she goes uh veronica i just don't know if i could lift all that heavy stuff (laughs) please dispel the myth here yes and at that point we corrected and addressed that statement because there's a lot of different ways Anyone can be involved in the construction industry, whether that be in the accounting, in legal, project management, 
project engineering. There's all kinds of, I want to say, crossover with different scopes of work that women or men can both do. And for me, having three sisters, it's important that those opportunities are there for this generation as well as the next generation. And so I think I made a comment to you before about operating equipment. Well, if you can drive a car, you could probably drive a forklift. If you can drive a car, well, you could, especially if it's a manual transmission, which a lot of people don't know how to drive anymore, but if you could drive (laughs) manual transmission, they're taking Uber. (laughs) You could learn how to get your class A license. There's a demand for it. You could make a decent living doing it. We've had a lot of good experiences with recruiting people from the hall and they'll send us out uh, women and they've operated our batch plants, which is pretty impressive. A batch plant to kind of give you guys a quick overview of it. A batch plant, you're mixing different types of products. In our case, it would be different types of concrete. So really, you're just taking a couple different components, no different than me who likes to cook. If I was making brownies, I got some eggs, some sugar, brownie mix, a little bit of water, a little bit of oil, mix it up. There you go. And we've had a lot of good experiences with women on our projects. Well, that is so cool. I think amigas out there, it's time to dispel these myths that women can't do these roles in construction because it's been so male dominated that we felt perhaps that there was no room for women. But as you can see here, amigas, that Louis' company here has a lot of women that are working for them. And you have always a lot of posts. I'm sure you're just like my dad who says, he's like, anyone just come, come do an application because there's all kinds of jobs necessary. (laughs) But I'm telling amigas out there, if the fact that you think that you got to go out there and be very labor intensive, that's not the case if you don't want to. Of course, if you do, well, it's there for you. But if you're not into that, you've got different positions in your company, you know, whether it's accounting, whether it's legal, whether it is an inventory or um, accounts payable, accounts receivable. I mean, there's so many different roles, you know, that a company needs, right? And it's, and so for you, at least I feel it's like you've got the best of both worlds. You get the, the inside, but then you can also have the outside, right? And, and within our industry, um, or at least in our business, I like to think that our business is in a way built, it's a pyramid and you have, or a triangle, another way to describe it, but you have sales on one point of the triangle. So who's it? Salesperson doesn't we have women out there selling our product? Then we have production, we have people working that are scheduled the jobs, order materials, perform the labor. So that would be production, and then the other side would be admin. And if one point of that triangle is weak, that can result in us not 
winning or earning future business. And so all, all three points of that triangle are important for our business and to sit there and, you know, if, if depending on what your interests are, focus on one part of that triangle. Yeah. Um, and you could be involved in that industry. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for that. Yeah. You know, because I, I mean, companies, you need your admin, obviously, and then you need someone who's going to be producing something on the floor, perhaps. I mean, there, there are so many different ways of, even if you do accounting, like you could be a CFO of any company, truly, even if it's specialized construction or if it's, if it's a private equity, because accounting is accounting. It's just different types of accounting, but I feel like these roles are essential to every corporation, every corporation to be able to be successful, just as you guys have been since 1956 when your grandfather started this. So I'd love to for us to have a conversation of legacy because I feel I feel that when your grandfather started this, I'm sure he never ha- never thought that he'd be a part of the, what to say, you guys did the the um, the concrete for SoFi Stadium, right? We did. And I'll tell you a quick story about that and kind of tie into why I agreed to participate today in the podcast. You miss all the pitches you don't swing at. Or, you know, you miss all the shots you don't take. It's baseball season right now, so I'm trying to tie that all in. But um, we have been participating in these mixers where the the contractors would do a presentation and then a subcontractor like us would get up and we would present your people would present to say a group of about 150 people. And so we got on the docket. We were scheduled for, let's just say, nine months from today. And the meeting happens to be uh, tomorrow. And this lady called and said, hey, we had a last minute cancellation. Can you guys go tomorrow? And I said, sure. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll make it happen. And as a result of doing a 15 minute presentation in front of this group, there happened to be some people in the audience from Turner Construction who we educated on our product. And that resulted in us getting a very nice contract at SoFi Stadium. Wow. Wow. Imagine if you would have said no. It, Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I wouldn't be driving by that project and pointing it out to the kids say, hey, we built that place. We helped work on that place. Wow, that's incredible. And I and I went to SoFi Stadium last year for the very first time, even though my family has season tickets. <laughs> Long story short. Anyways, I told my dad, I said, Dad, I know the company that did the concrete, that put the concrete here at the SoFi Stadium. And so I'm like, if you want to meet him, I can I can introduce uh, you uh, to him. <laughs> we were just one of the Probably thousands of subcontractors and contractors who performed work out there. Um, yeah. But I welcome the opportunity to speak with your father about it. I could probably show him some pictures that he'd find interesting. And oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. To, 
answer your question about my grandfather when he started this business, which was primarily uh, apartment buildings. And at that time, they'd be two or three story, maybe at the most. I can almost guarantee he wouldn't have anticipated how it was conceived to how much it's grown. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is something so incredible. And how I believe how quickly, because, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, 1956, uh, that's what my... my We're about 65 age. plus years old, our business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot in terms of technology and everything has completely changed, but it's not that old if you think about it. I mean, I, this is like my mom's age and, you know, she's vivacious and young and all you know, <laughs> amazing things. But to come this far. And so it had to start with thinking far, you know, you know, just think having this vision of how far can I get? I, I, and I have this conversation with my dad all the time about, did you foresee this happening? And his answer was to me, like, not specifically, but I did foresee for it to be big. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking that your grandfather must have had that same thought process, that same conversation with himself, like, yes, this is going to get far. The 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 um, the steps, who knows? Lord knows only what's going to happen, right? But you have to have this, a vision that actually scares you. Otherwise, it's not a vision, in my opinion. But as someone like your grandfather to take that step, now you, grandson, what do you see from here on out for the company and then for your kids and their kids' kids? Mm-hmm. What do you see in the future? Well, I see a lot of opportunities for us. We continue to diversify and be the pioneer in our field with coming up with solutions for the contractors and thinking outside the box, different ways to use our material, for example, that hadn't been thought of before. And by doing that, that exposes us to a new not only a new revenue stream or new customers, but it also exposes us to a lot more opportunity, um, whether that be here locally or throughout the United States. Ah, yeah. And your company, you have different divisions. Are they all Western or they are across the map? We're primarily on the West Coast with our brick and mortars. Or if you want to look at it like a franchise where all our little stores are. But we have a lot of we have personnel that are chasing after work throughout the entire country. So it's kind of neat. In a couple of weeks, I have a couple plans to visit a few different states that are places we hadn't really done a lot of work before. And I have a couple different divisions working in different states. So it's going to be a road trip of some sort. And it'll be fun to pop in on our cruise and see, you know, how they're doing, uh, what's going on. We did a project out in Austin. We did the Tesla Gigaplant a couple of years back and we surprised the guys um, and bought, you know, ribeyes from Costco and bar- were barbecuing when they got back from work. Just little things 
like that, you know, show that we appreciate what they're doing out there and, and all of that. Oh, absolutely. So that'll, we'll probably roll that same mentality into this upcoming trip. That's wonderful. So does this mean that you also will have more brick and mortars in those coming states? The, the plan would be to gradually, with respect to growing at a manageable rate, establish more brick and mortars. And by establishing more brick and mortars, let's just say we offer about five different services because realistically we're a service business. If we don't take care of our customers with the triangle, they're going to give our, that business to someone else. So we need to you know, show up when we say we're going to show up, perform how we say we're going to perform, and then on the back end, execute things efficiently as well. So by doing that, and adopting that same philosophy or culture to wherever we decide to set up our next brick and mortar, we can continue to offer customers in that region the same services that we offer here. Yeah, it's all about customer relationships. If you don't, your reputation precedes you, right? It's like if you don't take care of your customers, oh, they're going to pinpoint who you are Sure. right away, right away. We like to think it's better to get rich $50 at a time versus 5000 overnight. Or another way to look at it would be it's better to eat hamburger every day of the month versus steak once a month. Yeah, yeah. And I believe this is this goes with legacy. I mean, it's steady. You know, you're building something that to carry for generations to come, not, you know, something that, oh, no, that's it. It's we're done. Like you want to grow because that's the way, I mean, legacy building is about growing. Mm-hmm. You can't just stop and, and just say, okay, that's it. We're done. <laughs> and I, what about us, dad? So I feel like, like as we've had several conversations about legacy and how it ended up happening that you have one of your divisions in Las Vegas and, and just knowing that, oh, my God, like I am one degree of separation, <laughs> literally, literally. And we're neighbors. We're neighbors. <laughs> literally neighbors. And and it's cool because, you know, you're third generation and we're first generation, I guess you would call us. Right. Yeah. First generation. My parents came to this country in uh, 1969 and, and they established this business in 1985. So, yeah, that would be first generation. Mm-hmm. Us, the kids, would be second, I guess. And then Alexia would be third. They say, and I don't know if it's true, and I hope it's not, that it starts losing its juju legacy when it's at third. Don't, don't they say something like I've that? I've heard that. I can't tell you how many different times. And uh, I would prefer not to be a statistic. Yes. 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 So my sister who also works in our business, uh, her and I uh, collaborate and we're often thinking about different ways to uh, circum that curse. Yes, I know. Thank God. So you'll be the first to break that curse and we'll follow suit. (laughs) And so uh, you asked a little bit about legacy. And it's kind of weird. I've been doing this over 20 years and I hadn't really thought about it too much, but 
the majority of our projects or the construction industry in itself is about legacy. If you really think about it, um, the home that, you know, people live in, uh, that was built, whether it was a year ago or a hundred years ago, somebody built that and now it's being used for, you know, someone to live in the freeways, the bridges, all these, you know, you mentioned Las Vegas. I enjoy going to that town because I used to live there and looking at all the different projects that we worked on. And it's fun to sit next to my dad and some of the gentlemen that have mentored me and they go, oh, I worked on that one. And then you're like, well, I worked on that one over there and I worked on this one. And to see them standing and know that you, um, you're participating in some work that's going to be there after you're gone. It's yeah. crazy to think about, or just when we go places as a family and you're Hey, check that place out. I worked on that back in 2018. I worked on that place in 2003. I remember being down here for three months at one point working on that place yeah. and you see it, you actually see it. And knowing that those projects are going to be there long after you're gone. And that's something that just came to me about a year ago. And I was, when I had that epiphany, I was shocked. I'm thinking, wow, I push legacy. I'm all about legacy. And I haven't realized that my work is a legacy. It's something that generations will enjoy. And it ties back into a really good point that the person who plants a tree today but will never be able to enjoy its shade is finally starting to understand the meaning of life. And if you think about it, that's ultimately what you're trying to do is set up the next generation and the generation after that. So they can do things that you didn't get to do, or you didn't have a chance to do because things just weren't in alignment yet. Right, right, right. Wow. That is powerful. That is definitely true. And it ties into service as well. You're like, hey, how can I be of service? Right. Yeah. Wow. It's just so profound to have a discussion like this because it really makes you think. If I mean, even if we go back to your grandfather and his ancestors, I mean, like, could they have imagined? that just planting that one seed was going to provide shade for so many to come. Mm-hmm. Right. And I feel the same way with my family. My grandfather was an entrepreneur as well. And he had a quote that he would say all the time, which I live by, my father lives by, and it's Dios y negocio, meaning God first and then business. And it's always carried every day of our lives. That if we want to continue to create a legacy for us, we have these, the mindset of service for us as God or forever. I don't know, but at least that was for us like that, that God is with us all the time and has blessed us completely with the beautiful businesses that we have created. And it only happens is through service, literally, because we need customers it would never happen if we didn't have the customers. Correct. Yeah. How exciting. Let's provide a lot of shade for a lot of people. I love it. For many years to come. I love it. 
<laughs> so my friend, before you leave, because I always ask my my amigas, now my amigos, for their tips of one or two on how an amiga can handle a ship or what have you seen the qualities of an amiga who, who has handled her ship? So for me, I keep a ledger or a, a journal, if you will. My journal contains action items, to-do lists, notes from meetings, just all kinds of different things that when you're in the moment, it's real easy to write some things down. It could be even after a meeting that you had, jot a couple thoughts down because in three weeks time, when you go to think about what that was, that maybe this conversation, hey, what was that quote about the tree? You know, like just something like that. And if you don't have something to reference in the future, you can't necessarily measure where, how far you've came from your past. And so just being able to strike out those action items, whether it's as easy as, you know, pick up the dry cleaning, go to the store, call so-and-so back on, on May 9th, call so-and-so back on May 12th. And just, I think it helps me personally more accountable. Yeah. Because if I have it in here, then I need to make sure I get it taken care of. Right. If I don't, I need to figure out when I'm going to get that accomplished. And that simple gesture of striking a line through something and knowing that it's complete gives me a huge amount of satisfaction. Mm, I love that. I love that. You should see my to-do list. And I actually do the same thing. I like, I start like in Spanish, subrayando, like I start checking and like crossing off. Okay. I got it done. I got it done. Okay. What else do I need to do? Okay. I have one more thing to do. And it's true to have that sense of completion. It's a wonderful, wonderful way to be like, just ah, satisfaction. I, I got it. I got it. Yes. I love that. Thank you so much. When I worked in the field built as a superintendent, I had a notepad that was about, you know, one of those little spiral notepads and I'd have my pen right here and I would use that because I was out working, but that was a good checks and balance system. Since then, as things have grown and things have gotten a lot more complicated, the big, (laughs) you know, hundred page, I make it sure it's graph paper. I like it to be with, because it has the boxes built in. That's my little idiosyncrasy. But I'm on my sixth or seventh journal in the past 10 years, and I keep them all. And so there's been moments where we had a meeting with someone two and a half years ago, and to pull that old ledger or journal out and be able to reference it is huge. That's so, Um, so cool. I'm old school, so I like to actually write, but some of the guys that I've been mentoring and then some of the ladies as well they use the ipad that's the next gen but me i like to put it in the (laughs) notebook because i can at least write something down pull a piece of paper out and give it to them and then they'll say well we could have taken a picture of that too (laughs) you're right you're right you know where i'm like all those gen z's what (laughs) well i love this I completely agree with you. I love the feeling, the satisfaction of just striking it out. It's done. It's completed. Mm -hmm. Love that. Amigas, you heard it here. 
you know, get your journals and write out, you know, your goals, what, what comes to mind, those meetings and start striking out things, you know, because it's so important. See, take it from him, from Louis. That is, he's a, a legacy builder. So there's something to be said about that. So amigas, thank you so much for listening up here with our guy here who is part of an amazing construction business. And Louis, I'd love to have you back next year when you're building more on your company. I think we've got a lot more to discuss. Oh, God. Yes, I know. A lot more. But my amigas that are on the road, they're going to be like, girl, you got to cut your conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Because we could talk forever. But I know that your time is very precious. And I'm so honored and grateful that you're here with us at Amiga Handle Your Shit. So thank you so much, Louie, for being here. Thank you very much. You did a fantastic job today. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. If anything resonates with you today, please share it with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to share it on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at www.amigahandleyourshit.com. Thank you so much for listening. Gracias y hasta la próxima.